This is Joan Banks-Smith from Kessler Foundation with another special edition podcast celebrating World Art Day. Our host, Jessica Ganga, Communications and Digital Media Coordinator here at the Foundation, had the opportunity to speak with Alder Crocker, a traumatic brain injury and spinal cord injury survivor and an acquired savant syndrome artist. In May of 2018, while on vacation, Alder broke his neck and instantly became 85% paralyzed. While in rehab, after four brief art therapy sessions to help improve muscle memory, an artist was born. As soon as he had a brush in his hand, images and colors began to flood his consciousness, and he was able to paint the beneficiary of acquired savant syndrome. Before Alder had his accident, he had worked 25 years in marketing, was a partner in an agency, and worked with many other agencies in that industry, but was never a creative. Alder has also been a volunteer in many of the Foundation's research studies since his accident. Can you briefly share your story about how you sustained a TBI and an SCI? In 2018, in May, I was in Mexico with my wife and several friends. We were on vacation, and it was the second day of our vacation in the afternoon. We decided to go for the last swim of the day, and the ocean was basically flat calm. And I used to be a, a big ocean body surfer, and I would love that. And so I thought, ah, I'll go in for the last part of the day, no problem, take a dip. And so I did the soft jog into the ocean, and I was jogging in about eight or 12 inches of water, and I must have hit a soft patch of sand or a little bit of a divot, and I stumbled. And my left knee basically uh, bent and uh, gave way, and I tripped and I fell, and I turned on my left side, and I didn't turn hard enough in a somersault, and I hit my head into the sand, and I smacked it so hard that I immediately broke my neck snapped it like a twig and I was immediately paralyzed and I saw all sorts of colors in my eyes and I realized uh, immediately that I was paralyzed because about five years before that my brother-in-law had this similar type of an accident out on Long Island where he hit an underwater berm and I actually pulled him out and I remember the first thing that he said was after um, he had gotten out of the hospital was, I wish I'd closed my mouth because I swallowed so much seawater. So the first thing that I did after I smacked my head and I knew immediately that I was paralyzed, couldn't move my legs, but I could move my arms a little bit, was that I took a giant breath of air and I waited about 15 or 20 seconds until my wife and a friend found me. Thank you for sharing your story, Alder. And from there, how did your path lead you to art, which is what we're here to mainly talk about with you today is this beautiful art that you create. So from your injury on, how did you get into the work that you do? Well, you're very kind. I hope that people like my artwork. Basically, something miraculous happened. I hit my head so hard that I uncovered latent painting ability. And it's something that's called acquired savant syndrome. And I didn't know I had it for about, about a year, year and a half until a now friend of mine, another artist who had a similar accident, came up to me after my first art show and said, you know, if you'd never painted before, I think you may have this acquired savant syndrome, which is on the autism scale. And there is a, uh, a foundation called the Treffert Center, uh, Dr. Darnold Treffert out in Wisconsin, and they specialize in this. And so I went and I chatted with him. And after a range of tests, 
they agreed that indeed I was uh, qualified for being an acquired savant. And uh, essentially, as I mentioned, it's I hit my head so hard that I uncovered latent or hidden ability to paint. A lot of times people wake up out of after their coma or from this injury with musical or mathematical capabilities. I was fortunate enough to wake up with artistic capabilities. And how did you, I guess, find out that you were able to paint and that you had these artistic abilities? Was it a person that you had spoke to or is it just one day you decided to pick up a paintbrush and begin painting? Actually, it's a pretty interesting story, probably more so for me than the listeners, but I um, was at Kessler Rehabilitation in New Jersey, which was terrific and got me into great shape. And about six weeks into my 10-week stay there, their art therapist, Chris Byrne, came up to me and said, Alder, what are you doing this afternoon? And I said, I'm not going to art therapy, that's for sure. And he said, no, no, come on, I think you should come on by. And I said, no, I've got other things to do. I don't really, you know, I'm not an artist. I never painted before. I really... You know, don't even like the uh, the act of painting. He said, "No, no, come on. I think you'll enjoy it. Besides, you're not doing anything. You're not busy." And I you know, acquiesced, and I said, "All right, I guess I'll do it at three o'clock. I'll meet you there." And then we started chatting when I got there, and he put a brush in my hand that had a nice little rubber tube around it so that I could grasp it with both hands because I don't have use of my fingers. A C7 incomplete as well as C6 complete. And he put it in my hand, and we started doing watercolors. And literally, as soon as I put uh, brush to paints to canvas, all of these colors and ideas and shapes and symbols started to flood out of my consciousness. It was really an amazing thing. And I thought, whoa, whoa, what just happened to me? It was really, it was like a rush, like just a flood of, of ideas and sensations. And I literally just started painting. And he's like, are you sure you've never painted before? And I said, nope, nope, nope. Give me another sheet of paper. And then I painted another one. And then, you know, half an hour later, we painted through a couple of different pages and I was hooked. And the thing about acquired savant syndrome is when you're diagnosed with it, the key aspect is compulsion to paint. Not if you're good or not, but compulsion to paint. And I wanted to paint 24 7. That's all I wanted to do. And so the next day I'm like, okay, Chris, let's go paint again. He's like, I said, well, Holder, your your next scheduled about four days from now. And I said, no, no, I want to do it now. And so I started sort of doodling with whatever I had on the side until our next session. We ended up having four sessions and I developed a series of, you know, not great paintings, if you will, just on sheets of paper. And then I had mentioned that to family and friends that this was a pretty amazing thing that had happened. And somebody bought me a painting set. So when I came home, uh, ten, four weeks later, total of 10 weeks at Kessler, I came home and there was an art set for me. And I literally the next day just started painting and I've been painting ever since. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. And how did art and painting help you during your rehabilitation journey? Oh my goodness. Uh, in, in an amazing way. And I have been a huge ambassador from a wellness standpoint for the last three and a half years since the accident. It's almost been four of advocating that to people for, you know, mental wellness, if you will, physical as well, but mostly mental from that standpoint, because for me, it relaxed me. It also helped me slowly get my muscle memory back and to move my arms in a way that I hadn't been able to really do so much uh, in a more fluid fashion 
than when I was at Kessler. So I did a lot of weight training, a lot of that, but not, you know, very sort of melodious, if you will, or um, smooth and fluid movements with my arms, you know, sort of like a ballet dancer. So when you are painting, you're moving your arms, but for me, both of them, because I, I could use one, my left hand, uh, but I, I generally have to squeeze it with my right hand to do my work. And I really just started doing different shapes and movements, and it was, it was wonderful for me and very psychologically relaxing. And what that helped me do collectively was then approach the rest of my life in a very meticulous but very fluid way as opposed to herky-jerky and getting overwhelmed by things. So I would, you know, after a while I understood with painting that, well, if I made a mistake, I could paint right over it. That was the joy and the beauty of it. So I learned a lot through that. And I learned a lot intellectually and psychologically about how to approach different parts of my life, relationships, you know, responsibilities, et cetera, uh, when I got home through the, the process and joy of painting. It's interesting that you bring up that painting trickled into other other parts of your life, which is something I don't think people realize with different things that they do in their lives that they can learn from, you know, creating music, creating art, how it could also be used in other aspects of, of your life. So I like that point that you made. Going off of that, on your website, you talk about the importance of listening to music when you paint. Uh, so I can imagine that that might also help you mentally. Can you talk about the connection between the two mediums and what music you enjoy listening to when you do paint? Music is a giant part of my life now. It always has been, but it is much more so now. Every time that I pick up a paintbrush, I've got music in the background. And it is, I'm 50, almost 59 years old. I feel like I'm 40 um, and I act like I'm 20. So uh, I listen to a lot of music from my youth. I still love The Grateful Dead and The Rolling Stones, but I also like, uh, you know, Bob Marley and the Allman Brothers and, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin. But I uh, listen to also things like Carlos Santana, things with a melody and a beat. But I also love classical music as well as electro swing, things that have some tempo that are not slow. Uh, but that actually come to a crescendo at some point. Because for me, within painting, there's always that moment where you're like, oh, yes, I did that area really well. And then you basically want to celebrate that. And that's uh, you know, how music works for me, is that there's always a, a celebratory portion of every song you know, that they come to. And so listening to music really gets me into that very calm state of mind. And um, I call it getting my whoopee cat on. And I know that sounds a bit strange, but... For me, getting my whoopee cat on is basically listening to music and then getting to that point where I'm, I'm listening, but I'm also dancing like nobody is watching. And I mention this because uh, it is a very uh, a psychological and spiritual um, process I go through every single day. Uh, with a traumatic brain injury, you go through a lot of gymnastics, mentally, psychologically as well. And there are some deep and dark thoughts that you have, some of despair and fear and even worse than that. And so people ask me, you know, Alder, how do you keep a smile on your face every day? How are you able to be in a good mood when you wake up every day and you're, you know, 85 or more percent um, paralyzed? And I say, well, you know what? 
what keeps me from going down that hole is honestly it's music and music gets me into that place where I feel like I'm dancing like nobody's watching specifically what that is is a perfect state of mind where you literally feel like you're invincible you're in your own cocoon you are your absolute best self you don't have anxiety you don't have depression you don't have suicidal thoughts you don't worry about the world around you and you're not really focusing on your own world as well you're just there in a in the most peaceful, comfortable, calm, confident place you can possibly be. And music gets me in that state of mind. And, and I do that every single morning. It's what gets me out of bed, if you will. And it's what puts me in a good mood where I'm not, you know, lamenting sort of the, the, the downturn in my life. And I'm only looking at the upside of it. So music is the underlying current for me in everything that I do. With the last blast on music being that it is the great mood changer and the mood equalizer. And for me, that's what infuses every single piece of my art. You described listening to music so beautifully. Uh, that was that was very nice. When creating a new piece or a series of pieces of art, where do you draw inspiration from? So you talked about your music. Is there anywhere else that you draw inspiration from? Or is it simply the images come to you and you translate what you see onto the canvas? Great question, Jessica. A little bit of both. So when I whacked my head and I all of a sudden had this stream of consciousness, and then I really had the vivid color uh, explosion, if you will, in, in my brain once Chris had put the brush in my hand, that literally happens to me every day. I wake up and I have a series of images. I just literally wake up and ideas start pouring and, and, and colors start showing up and designs and ideas and symbols. And I, I basically have a, a couple of hundred within the first hour or so of, of, of waking up. And I try to follow some of those, but then they get basically imprinted on my mind and then stuck back backwards into the subconscious. And then I go throughout the day and then I bring those up as well as other things. So I could be looking at your shoes right now and I would see the outline and I would see the different colors in that and the contrast. And then, as an example, your shoes would then take a certain shape. Uh, an abstract form and then imprint itself on my brain. And then I would use that later. So I bring a lot of, of my favorite things. People always say, you know, what are you painting? I say, well, you know, I don't really know how to paint. So I'm just going to use what I think are cool things throughout my life, which are symbology, um, hieroglyphics, kind of archaeology, ancient alphabets, strange things of that nature, but all things that have revolved around communications from, you know, our earliest origins. I think art is, you know, obviously one of the most tremendous ways to communicate feeling and substance and a lot of other things. And so when I get into my painting, um, I'm drawing symbols and designs and I'm creating them, you know, fresh and new. And I'm taking them from, as an example, an imprint of your shoe uh, or of an outline of your foot. And then I will take that and I will, and I will make it a little bit more abstract and then I will add color to it and then I will you know, put that into one or a series of my paintings. So it, it really hops from one place to the other. And I'm never without visual ideas literally in front of me at all times during the daytime. And how would you describe your style of painting? If you had to define what you do as an artist, how would you explain it to somebody? <laughs> I used to just say, well, I'm just flinging paint. And I hope that, you know, it hits the canvas. Um, because I did a lot of Pollock at the beginning because I wasn't quite sure how paint and colors work together. And now I use a paintbrush um, as well as uh, squirt bottles. 
And in squirt bottles, it's basically like a ketchup or a, um, a, a mustard bottle, clear. And then I fill it with latex semi-gloss uh, semi-gloss paint. I then turn that upside down and I squirt that, and that becomes my other brush, if you will. And so by doing that, using the squirt bottles and the paintbrush, um, I, I'm unable to literally draw a straight line. So the way that I describe my painting are abstract uh, in its most abstract form or abstract expressionism. It's all under the, the auspices of contemporary fine art, but I'm really an abstract artist and I paint things uh, that I see uh, either you know outside that are in the, in the physical world or that come from my brain. Most of it comes from my brain and is comes from the subconscious. So when I'm painting, it just the idea comes out then and I paint it, but it comes from something else that was building, if that answers your question. Yes, it does. Thank you so much. And your your artwork is also very uh, colorful, beautiful, vibrant. Is there a reason why you turn to uh, colorful paintings or the colors that you choose? At the beginning, when I was painting, my friends and family and other just people that I would talk to said, you know, in art, many, many artists, you know, they, they, they mine their souls for, you know, the pain and despair and the agony that they may have gone through, the suffering, you know, the dark periods, and, and that infuses their art. You know, do you use that? Do you bring that up? And I said, absolutely not. The last thing I want to do is to relive anything that I've gone through you know, during that phase, during the accident, all of the dark side of, of all injuries and the dark side of all the thoughts that you get with that, I never want to see that again. And so the opposite of what I went through is a world of color. And my hope is that every one of my paintings makes somebody smile, brings a little joy into their life and not makes them moody or brooding and think, God, you know, I wonder, I wonder what he was thinking. And, you know, where do you, no, no, none of that. It's all all, I'm, I'm generally in a very good mood after my music and my whoopee cat, if you will. And so I like to portray, you know, something that's joyful, more of like a, a joyful visual adventure that I can take somebody on. And if you'll notice my work, it's, it's fairly dense and there's a lot going on. And the cool thing is that I paint from four different ways. So I paint on a flat surface. I can't paint on an easel. So I can't use a brush up and down, left and right, because I don't have any triceps and my arms get very tired. So I do it on a, on a table and I spin the canvas around. And so I literally paint four paintings within one whole painting because I can only get to what I can in front of myself. I paint a lot of different designs and a lot of different stories within each area or each quadrant of the canvas. And I want each of those to try to tell its own story. When you take my paintings and you turn them 90 degrees and then another 90 and then another 90, you will in fact see four different paintings and you will not see the same design in each sort of spin of the painting. And, and the color that you originally referenced that I'm giving you a very long answer about is what enables the painting to look different in every form and fashion. That's really interesting. And Sorry that was so long. No, it's interesting to learn in my opinion, how people approach what they create, especially with art, because upon looking at your art, it's very cohesive. Now, when I go look back at your website and the art that you create, I'm going to turn my head <laughs> and try and see what you described. 
So do you have any exciting projects you'd like to talk about? Yes, I'm very fortunate that um, by the time people will hear this interview, I will have had a show with for, with uh, myself and my friend who introduced me to Acquired Savantism, him being an Acquired Savant also. We're going to have a joint show in New Canaan at the Carriage Arts Barn for the first two weeks of April. And then I'm looking forward to a joint show in Las Vegas in June for about a couple of months, and then I hope to have a solo show in Vegas, probably in October or November at a place called 2-2-Art, T-W-O-T-W-O-Art. It's a new gallery and company that is bringing awareness to, I guess you could say, extreme or alternate art. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, thank you for, for sharing that. Do you have any features coming up? I do, actually. Uh, just in brief, I'm very fortunate that a filmmaker from Norwalk, Connecticut, approached me a couple of months ago and said that he wanted to enter more festivals and show off his talent, and he wanted to do a passion project, and he had selected me as the content, if you will, uh, as his subject matter. And I will be visiting him, and he will be coming to my studio this weekend, and it should be about a seven- or an eight-minute documentary that will hopefully make the rounds of the uh, film festivals starting, I would say, probably May or June. And uh, that will also be used uh, with uh, and for a friend of mine uh, who wants to essentially get my story out more to the news media uh, from a wellness standpoint and an approach to life standpoint. So I'm very fortunate that people think that you know, the way that I approach life and using art as my motivation and music as my you know, background, if you will, um, to really get out there uh, and make a difference. And that's really all I'm trying to do at the end of the day. You know, if I can help one person not have a bad day, then ultimately maybe this whole paralysis will be worthwhile uh, because it's difficult and a lot of people are not having uh, as great a result as I have had so far in being able to you know, modify their emotions and feelings. And I do it, you know, utilizing art as, uh, as, my, as my baseline, if you will. And so if I can help other people by promoting the fact that art really is a path towards wellness, well, then maybe this whole accident and everything that I've been through will be worth it. That sounds great. And, and congratulations on, you know, being approached for the documentary. What piece of advice do you have for people that are you know, maybe struggling to cope with their disability, um, whatever it may be, and um, want to find something to turn to that can help? If I may, I'm going to answer it in two parts. The first is something that I learned at Kessler from the therapist who was there, not the art therapist, but the, a regular therapist. And I, I said to her, I said, you know, I need you know, I get into a rut, you know, and, I'm, and, I, and I have sad feelings and sad days. And, you know, I just, I don't know how to get out of this. She gave me the best advice I've ever received anywhere for anything, basically. And that was, you know, remember these two words, Alden. This is what I tell a lot of people. Remember these two words, for now, F-O-R-N-O-W, for now. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? She said, because whatever it is that you're going through is temporal. You're going to get over it. It's only for now, either in five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, two hours, five hours, whatever you're going through will end and you'll be on to something new and different. And I've translated that into 
know, life is filled with back to back to back to back adventures. And you just need to know how to grab a hold of them and take advantage of them and try to make that adventure the best it can possibly be. I think that can be applied to anyone really is, you know, things are temporary in life and there are different ways you can go about coping with a situation or handling a situation. And even just having a simple mantra like that can really, really help people. And we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to talk to us about your beautiful art. You know, you said that you hope that it puts a smile on people's faces. I know that when I was looking at your art, I definitely had one on mine. So thank you again, Alder. Oh, thank you so much. It was absolutely my pleasure. And, you know, if I can give one last, you know, bump for Kessler, uh, I, I, I don't know where I'd be without Kessler. I certainly don't think I would be painting. And there are certain things in my life and, and, and techniques that I use in my everyday life that Kessler uh, rehab uh, absolutely uh, helped me out on. Uh, in ways that I'll never forget. And so, you know, my life was changed by Kessler and my hope is that I can help Kessler change other people's lives as well. So I'm around and available if anybody ever needs me for anything. For more information about Alder and his paintings, about the foundation, or to join his study, links are in the program notes. Tuned into our podcast series lately? Join our listeners in 90 countries who enjoy learning about the work of Kessler Foundation. Be sure and subscribe to our SoundCloud channel, Kessler Foundation, for more research updates. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. This podcast was recorded on Thursday, March 10, 2022, remotely, and was edited and produced by me, Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation.